Welcome back to another episode of We Don't Know What to Watch, the podcast where two guys watch random movies and talk about them. With me, as always, is the holiest of holy, the unholiest of holy, and then I'd say the best of the three amigos, Kyle Mulford. And I'm Noah Saturn. How are you doing today, Kyle? I am having a uh, crisis of faith here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, today's episode, episode is brought to you by Balk, because apparently he owns everything. Yep. That's, uh, yeah. So, uh, before we get into our main episode, we got to do sort of this segment of what we've been watching lately. And I'm going to start by saying, Kyle, I haven't watched anything as we were just recording this pretty quickly. So I've just been extremely busy with other things. So Kyle, have uh, you yeah. been watching anything? I have, uh, um, not very much because yeah, it has only been a week since we've, uh, recorded, but I did get a couple movies watched. Um, first off, uh, you had already talked about this one, but I watched that uh, new movie Migration. And I thought it was pretty cute, actually. Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't really have, I thought, any emotional depth, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those that I'm like, if you've got young kids, I, check it out. Uh, it, it's it's good. And it doesn't like, it's not one of those, because uh, I was telling you that I'm kind of back and forth on some DreamWorks movies. And this one didn't like pander to the kids or anything. It just... It was cute for the whole family, I think. It's not something like as adults, you're going to go out, oh, let's go watch Migration like on a date or something. But no, but if you've got kids at home, I would I would recommend this. There's a lot of a lot I liked about it. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it seems like it's an Illumination movie. They tend to be pretty hit or miss with me. Some of them. Have no, oh, yeah, depth. that's right. It was Illumination, not Dreamworks. Most of them don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say too much about it because you just talked about it two episodes ago. So uh, you can go back and listen to that episode. Um but I also, because uh, the Oscars are coming up here in a month as of this recording, I watched a couple more Oscar nominees, one of which is Past Lives. And I think that that one is up for Best Picture. It is up for Best Picture, and it's on Paramount+. Plus. Okay. I do not have Paramount Plus anymore, so uh, I watched this one elsewhere. But um, this is... About okay, so it starts in South Korea with these like two like maybe twelve year olds, a uh, boy and a girl, and they kind of like each other. But her her family immigrates to Canada, and then um, so she lives there with her family, and eventually moves to New York when she grows up. And so twelve years pass, and she sees on her dad's like facebook page because he's got like some movie or like thing or whatever page that uh the boy was looking for her and she had changed her name so he couldn't find her and he's like oh she's like oh okay i'll contact him again and and they start talking and and i think he's dating at the, someone at the time but like they're uh you know they just kind of reconnect and then uh, but it does, oh no, he's not dating, but, uh, um, it doesn't work out. So they can't see each other cause he's still in South Korea and she's got a life in New York. And so it's like, well, let's stop seeing, seeing each other on zoom for a while. And 12 years pass again and she gets married and he's just breaking up with a girlfriend. So he comes back and into her life and says, I'm coming to New York to visit. And, and he comes back and all three of them go out, her and her husband and him go out and, you know, and those two talk about uh, their past life and what could have been and what happened if uh, if uh, she would have stayed in South Korea and blah, blah. And it's, it was a movie about what it could have should have and what ifs, which I think are kind of dangerous in a relationship. So I, I didn't really connect with this movie because I was like, 
you're going to have a good relationship, you can't be living in the past with, uh, oh, what if I would have got together with this guy? Or what if I would have got together with this girl? I, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't click with me. So I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of this movie. I think it's up for screenplay as well. So, and I think the writer, if I read correctly, it was like kind of semi-autobiographical about stuff that happened in her life. It's not a terrible movie, but just wasn't for me. Hey, that's okay. It's okay uh, to bounce off something. What's that? Said so it's definitely okay just to bounce off something completely. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So, uh, then on, uh, I think on Netflix. Uh, yeah, on Netflix, I watched the international best picture nominee, Society of the Snow. Because <laughs> here's the thing: it's like, yeah, I'm watching them all because they're Oscar nominees, just trying to catch up. But I saw the movie Alive. I've seen that a couple times. It was uh, made in like 1983, 84, 85, somewhere in there. And and I was like, oh, this movie looks like the same movie. And it's it's you know it's <laughs> the same story. It's about the 1972 plane crash with the um rugby team which i always thought was a soccer team but maybe i was mistaken but in this one it says it was a rugby team so i'm assuming um but uh i'm watching this movie because i see all these people online going oh don't just compare it as just another remake of this of alive or whatever because this one's got like this personal connection this personal depth to it and blah 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 i'm going i watched it i was like it's a really well-made movie if i had never seen alive i'd say definitely i'd actually still say watch this one it's beautifully shot um the cinematography really like gets you in with like that plane and everything and the claustrophobia in there but also they do have that these characters do have a connection and i don't know maybe they didn't have quite the connection in the previous movie but everything i was watching i was going oh yeah and i remember this scene from the last movie and i remember this scene from the last movie and and i remember they're going to do that this now because i watched alive and i was like a lot of it was the same movie i think some of that is is because it is you know it is based on non-fiction events uh, yeah yeah but but i was and that's that was where i was going maybe i need to rewatch alive maybe there maybe there is something different about it but like there was a lot of yeah i was, I was like like you said it's based off of a book that the guy wrote, one of the survivors wrote. And so you kind of know what's going to be happening and you kind of see the connection. You see all this and, and it, it felt very similar to the other movie. Like you can't really update it because it's a true story, like you said. So, but if you haven't seen the previous movie, it's a really well done uh, version of the story. And uh, I, I would, I would recommend watching this one. So I, I did still really enjoy the movie. But that is about all that I watched this week. No, no Zatoichi? I will. No, I did not. But I will say I went somewhere that was kind of movie related. On Friday night, I went to a local little uh, venue, uh, just a small room, and watched uh, Bobcat Goldthwait uh, stand up. <laughs> nice. And it was fantastic. It was hilarious. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, but that's not Zatoichi, so, you know. That is not Zatoichi, but. you were feeling great for that one, Kyle. We got some fun stories about Bobcat's life. Okay, so now we're going to uh, enter the Schraderverse. And enter Despair, the movie. Yeah, not to be confused with Despair, the 1970s movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, what did we watch? Uh, we watched First Reformed, starring Ethan Hawke, di- written and directed by Paul Schrader. And boy, you can tell it's a Paul Schrader movie through and through, because this one is bleak and cynical. It is. And I do have to mention that uh, um, just 
we always watch stuff that's on streaming because that's what we do here. But uh, either it went off of the service before we started recording or it lied to us because it said it was on Canopy and we did not find it on there. So we had to rent this one. So for those playing along, I'm sorry, it is not streaming anywhere. You would have to rent it streaming or from your local library or something. Yep. So that's okay. You know, I was able to rent it on Amazon. Not a big deal. I watched it. And uh, yeah, I mean... Why don't you give us the snowball pitch this week? (laughs) Okay, well, Ethan Hawke plays uh, Reverend Ernst Toller, who is uh, experiencing a crisis of faith. And he is the pastor for First Reform, which is a, uh, I think it's like New York type church or someplace on the East Coast of a historic church that's uh, going to celebrate its 250th anniversary moving forward. And while he's going through that... He then uh, meets a young man who he's trying to help and counsel. And this guy is really sort of a big environmental activist and he's sort of slowly becoming radicalized. And then the young man dies. So now it's just him, the young man's wife. And uh, he's like, you know, maybe I should also fight the power against things. And oh, hey, is that a suicide vest? Maybe that could come in handy. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. And also on top of that, to be even more bleak, um, He's sick, and you find out that it could possibly be like a stomach cancer or something. So things are going great. Uh, yeah. So, boy, this movie, uh, this this movie's got a lot to unpack, and I'm not sure I understand everything in it because there is so much going on in here. Um, kind of about faith and uh, the cynical look at the church, and and I think it gives a little bit of both sides because I think he wants to be better and realizes that. Uh, you know, but there's the whole, his church is kind of antiquated and it serves as like a souvenir shop. And it's just an old school church. That's more of a novelty now, whereas then it's run actually by one of those big, huge arena churches or whatever you want to call them. The, uh, yeah. A uh, mega church, the mega church. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like uh, with, the, with the pastor, real church pastor. was owned by the righteous gemstones. <laughs> yes, <laughs> run by the uh, pastor Cedric the Entertainer. Um, I I watched something where it's like uh, uh, explaining this movie goes. Uh, this movie's so bleak. He's not even Cedric the Entertainer. He is he is he's a uh, uh, Cedric Kyle in this movie. <laughs> In the credits. So his real last name. Yes. (laughs) And he is not a funny man in this movie. Yeah. So then while while Reverend Toller, played by Ethan Hawke, is kind of contemplating all of this environmentalist stuff, after Michael uh, commits suicide, he gets his computer and looks through some of the stuff and and realizes that this corporation run by a guy named Balk is a huge... I, I don't know. They got all sorts of polluting businesses. Yeah, he's a big and, polluter. But like he's also the top five in the world. Yeah, and he's also one of the top contributors to this mega church. Abundant. Uh, what is it? Abundant life. Yeah, abundant life. So, and then we have Amanda Seyfried, and she's pregnant. And I, I should have looked more into this. I, I didn't have a lot of time to research, but I, I saw somewhere that. Uh, Amanda Seyfried was actually pregnant during this production, and when she was hired on, he wrote the pregnancy into the script. So I don't, I don't, I according to that, the pregnancy wasn't even actually in the original script. Yeah, I did see that as well, and how this movie was a pretty quick shoot. It was filmed in twenty days, so that's really fast. Uh, yeah, and also shot in uh, four by three, which 
kind of uh he he wanted to that that boxed in feeling like you know just kind of that claustrophobic feeling of the movie and also everything is very bleakly like colored it's like you know it's just dark a couple times when i was trying to watch this at one point i feel like i had to lean in or almost adjust my tv because it was so dark uh, yeah every room in the houses are always like lit by like one or two lamps and <laughs> and there's a lot of a lot of times yeah where all you see is his face by the glow of a comp- computer screen or something where the rest of the room is all dark yeah so uh even in the daylight scenes it seems kind of dark like it's always cloudy there's never a sunny day yeah and and uh, the whole theme of the movie is it, and and it's said throughout the movie is is this like fight between hope and despair and it feels through the whole movie like despair is winning <laughs> Yeah, Despair's doing pretty well for itself because the whole thing is just uh, the Reverend's spiral down into something. Because like I think he's slowly driver spiraling or something. Uh, it, yeah, a little bit. I, that was another thing was uh, was uh, Paul Schrader was uh, quoted as saying like when he started filming this movie, he goes he he was actually surprised at himself that that there was so much taxi driver in the movie. <laughs> I was like. Isn't most of your body of work taxi driver? <laughs> At least thematically, that is kind of the blueprint. Yeah, just uh, kind of. I don't know. It takes a. It, it, yeah, he does kind of take a cynical approach to everything. You, you. It makes you wonder how he lives his life. Like, <laughs> like, is he just a miserable person, or is it, or is that just the kind of stuff he's interested in? Maybe he's a perfectly happy guy. Uh, yeah, on his piles of money, right? Just he's like, haha, I've made all these people sad. <laughs> There's an entire like. There was a Twitter uh, page I followed for a while. It was just called Paul Schrader Facebook updates. And it was just like just weird Facebook updates he would sold because he just has his own personal Facebook and he's a weird old man. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, even though the character of Ethan Hawke is kind of spiraling because, I mean, to add to uh, salt to the wound, he also lost his son to the Iraq war. And his wife left him because he kind of uh, encouraged his son to enlist because he was a military chaplain before he got hired on to be a pastor at this church or a reverend at this church. And so he's dealing with the weight of losing a son, losing a wife. and uh, But at least he still has his truck because it's a country song. (laughs) He's got his his, uh, Ford Taurus. Or whatever he's driving there. <laughs> Basically the same thing. All right. Uh, yeah. And so, and then he's also got this, uh, he had a fling with uh, the choir director at the mega church and she keeps on pestering him and he finally goes off on her. And I, I don't know, that felt a little brusque, but but uh, I think he didn't want to be reminded that he had that fling and just was like, okay, I, let's, let's drop this. Yeah. Um, this movie was depressing and I know that's kind of the point, but like, whew, it was a hard watch for me. Uh, yeah, but I, I, the thing is, is I still like this movie. This is not one that I'm going to watch over and over, obviously, but I thought it was really well made. And, and there was a lot of thinking points to it too. Like, because there is some truth to these churches being very hypocritical and like, because uh, one of the big questions in the movie is, will God forgive us for destroying his creation? And the answer from the mega church is, well, hopefully because uh, I'm going to take money from these people who are polluting his creation 
because that's how we that's how we run. And and it's kind of it's kind of truthful. I mean, these big mega churches just take all this money and and don't give back to anything. It's just a cash cow. And yeah, he definitely does have a point there, especially pointing how sort of the hypocrisy and corruption inside a lot of mega churches. And and I like that Ethan Hawke's character wanted he did have this faith in this movie. So there was someone who had like good faith as in like he wanted to do God's work. He wanted to do his best. And he wa- and, and when he found when he started looking into Michael's research, he was like, oh, this really is a problem. And this is something that as Christians, we should be taking care of because it is God's creation. And why aren't we doing this? And then he confronts the big church. But that's where that's where it's kind of like the most cynical is because he confronts the big the mega church and they're like, well, that's a complicated issue. And they just kind of brush it under the rug. And that kind of leads him down further into his spiral to where at the end, yeah, he takes Michael had made a um a bomb vest, like you had said, and he takes that and he is going the, during the 250th year or uh, anniversary co- reconsecration of the church. The mayor is going to be there, the governor and that bulk guy and the other reverend. They're all going to be at his little church and he plans on blowing it up with himself um, just as a statement against the church. And, as you do. But then, of course, he sees uh, Mary, who he's got this now connection with. And uh and he's like, well, I can't do that because she he had told her to stay away from the church so that he could do this. And he she shows up. And here's where another thing is the ending, I think, is an ambiguous ending. Yeah, I think I could see that as well, because it does have a few unanswered questions like uh, how did uh, Mary get in the door when Reverend Jeffers wasn't able to get in and couldn't find another way in after the door was locked um, when they did embrace uh, we couldn't see that if she if she was cut by any razor wire or barbed wire that he was wearing. She didn't give any indication that she felt it. Exactly. So I think I think that this was because uh, um, when he saw that Mary was in the church, he decided to instead he wrapped himself in barbed wire on his bare skin and then he poured himself a glass of liquid plumber. Delicious. And, and I think that the despair finally got him down, especially since he's going to get uh, stomach cancer anyway. And uh, I believe that. It, and and Mary shows up in the door and he drops the drink and goes and they embrace and kiss for like two minutes. And then it cuts to credits. And I th- and I personally believe that he drank the liquid plumber and that this was just the vision he saw that he wanted to see when, as he was passing away. Also, that was a really long kiss. I mean, take a breath. They're just going to be like <laughs> right. running in each other at this point, just like, just go, or something. I mean, come <laughs> on, man. That was a long time. Hopefully they're both good at breathing through their noses. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's like they're trying to pass something back and forth, like a marshmallow between their mouths. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, there's also really no score to this movie, if you noticed. It's... Yeah, there's the occasional blah, or sort of tonal <laughs> stuff. But yeah, there's no it's real inception blah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it does feel kind of Nolan-y from that, or, or Zimmery, I guess. Uh, right. <laughs> I And sometimes when, uh, I think a movie's got to be written well to have no score. And I think this one was well written. I was, yeah, I was intrigued. I barely noticed the absence of music. 
Uh, yeah, and because and I was so engrossed in the dialogue, and I think it was really well written, and I and I think this is as bleak as it is. It is a very good film. Yes, I cannot deny it is a good film, but I can also say, and, and you know, it accomplished what it's going to do with flying colors. It's beautifully made, well made, great, well written, great characters. I also did not have a good time watching it, so I would not watch it again personally. <laughs> and I don't. And I, like you said before, though, I don't think it, you were meant to have a good time watching. I think you were meant to think about these things, basically. Yeah, and that is the point, And you're definitely right there. So in that case, it did a great job. Congratulations, Paul Schrader. You made us all sad. Yay. Um, I don't know if there's much else that I've got to say about this movie, though. Yeah, we definitely could do like a deep dive thematically, but also... If if that's a that's a video essay, I'm sure someone else has done it, and someone much smarter than both of us who's exactly. done their research to do exactly what they're going for. So I'm sure it's very interesting. I can definitely see the seeds are for that sort of thing. But yeah, I don't have much else to say of it, at least from this standpoint. I'm sure, like from a scholarly perspective, it can be very interesting. There's a lot of good things to find in there. But from this perspective, just as you know, a guy. I can say, yeah, it was well made. I I appreciate it, but I don't want to watch it again. Uh, so why don't I, um, this could be a little shorter episode, I think, because uh, <laughs> we didn't watch many movies and uh, not a lot more to say about this one. But um, why don't we go into whether we recommend this or not? Um, yeah, this is a this is a weird one for me. I do recommend it to watch at least once. But, you know, I but, you know, you're not going to have a good time. You're not going to come out feeling good afterwards. And that's the point, and I understand that's okay, but just, you know, fair warning. So if you like if you're already kind of depressed or not in the best of moves moods, I'd say avoid this one because it would just make you feel worse. But if you feel like you're in an okay headspace mentally, and then you can watch some harder to stomach stuff, I think then this one would be okay. Uh I'm I'm going to uh second that sentiment and because this this has a lot to say about uh uh religious versus corporate greed. Um environmentalism and uh, hope versus despair. And it does give a little bit on both sides and does have arguments on both sides, which makes it more intriguing because it's not just a one-sided thing. It kind of gives a little bit of both sides of each of these stories. And I would also recommend this film. Uh, I agree. Not going to watch it on a, you know, a yearly basis over and over. Uh, but it it is one definitely in Paul Schrader's oeuvre that uh, is well worth watching. And I would probably give this one a good, we'll go uh, seven and a half out of 10 dead environmentalists. <laughs> oh boy. I was wondering where you were going to go with that. I was going to say 250 old churches, souvenir <laughs> shops, barbed wires around your chest, but I guess that's one way to do it. I'm sorry. I'm on a roll here. <laughs> I guess so. I've, I had to go bleak. <laughs> uh, yeah. So why don't we go into uh, our double feature then, since we both actually recommended this movie? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, for my double feature, you can uh, just look at yourself in the mirror after you've had a, bit, a, a night out and it's like one o'clock in the morning and you haven't slept for a while. And you that's basically what it feels like. <laughs> um no i'm just gonna pick the obvious one and go with taxi driver a lot of comparisons but taxi driver is definitely it's a gross it's a martin scorsese movie written by paul schrader it's not a paul it's not a paul schrader uncut 
uh yeah and and a lot of similarities and uh and i was going to go with an actual i think it was paul schrader directed but i'm going with 1979's hardcore so you could get a double dose of bleak um <laughs> and and uh, I would say, though, if you do this double feature, maybe uh, if you've got kids after you watch this without your kids, uh, you go and watch an episode of Bluey with them or something. Yeah, go hug your kid <laughs> afterwards. Right. Uh, go outside, drink some water. <laughs> Enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> because, yeah, it is a... Go recycle a tough. bottle. <laughs> yeah. Do something nice. Go, go a to treat. a small church where the people actually care. Exactly. Do some uh, self-care yeah. afterwards because... It is very rough. So yeah, uh, very very bleak episode. Uh, hard to hard to talk a long time about something uh, like something that's so just. Uh, this is just depressing, depressing. Good, but depressing. Yes. So uh, I guess uh, we'll have a shorter episode this time, and let's go into what we're gonna watch next. What we'll watch next is just like a slow motion video of like a dog dying. Right. Wait, wait, we can choose our genre. Is there a genre of happy fun time movie? Comedy? (laughs) You know, we could go comedy. Let's let's put the genre comedy. comedy. Which could be depressing Uh, for completely other reasons. (laughs) Just because it sucks if it's a newer one. Uh, 70 or better comedy. Let's spin it. Oh, I'm ready. All right, we've got uh, two mismatched New York City detectives seize an opportunity to step up like the city's top cops, whom they idolize, only things don't quite go as planned. Hmm, so these are the other guys? Oh, look at that. You got it off the description. Nice. The Adam McKay directed other guy, the other guys with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Yep, this has the one... Because remember, the replacements for... Uh, yeah, it was like The Rock and then uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, that... I remember the I remember seeing the clip of it where it was like uh, where they were going after these bad guys and the bad guys like had to like you know get off of like zip line off a building or something. They just they just look at each other, look at the bottom of the building, and just go aim for the bushes, aim for the bushes. Then they both jump, and then it's just like <laughs> there goes my hero. Watch him as he goes, and then just splat. Oh, nice. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think I've seen this one before, and I don't remember it much. So we'll see how this one goes. Uh, this one is streaming on Netflix. The other guys from 2010. Will Ferrell's L.A. Confidential. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I mean, I'd watch it. Um, yeah. So uh, until then, you can find us online. Uh, I'm on Twitter at AwesomeKM. And I'm also on Twitter at Noah underscore Saturn. That is spelled S-A-T-E-R-N. And we're on Instagram at We Don't Know What to Watch. And you can email us, We Don't Know What to Watch at gmail.com. And you can find our show here. Uh, we've got an ACAST link on our Instagram site. And you can find us on Spotify and Amazon Music right now. So uh, send us an email. Uh, let us know what you think. And uh, until next time, um, go hug a tree. I don't know. Yeah, I guess uh, until next time, uh, take care of yourself, drink some water, and uh, go tell someone you love them.